Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that You are listening to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick, weight loss coach. I specialize in helping busy mums lose weight with healthy eating and living. You're invited to sign up to my VIP area where I have all my free handouts and videos. Simply go to drorlina.com, that's Dr. O-R-L-E-N-A.com, and you will see the sign up and sign up there. Now on with today's show. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I'm super excited to be here as always. I want you to stop and notice three amazing things that have happened to you today. Now, they may just be run-of-the-mill normal things. Some of the things I like to think about is holding my child's hand as I walk to school and just feeling that little pudginess in my hand. I love it. So think about three things and just a little bit of time to really let that good thing sink in. Okay, today on the podcast, we are talking to Lisa Kilgore, who is a nutritionist, and we are talking about the biome. It's such an amazing, super interesting thing to talk about. So I will let you listen to the interview. And then afterwards, I have a few more points to make because I had so many questions for Lisa that I had to ask her some questions by email. So I will let you have those at the end of the recording. Here's Lisa. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I am super excited to welcome Lisa Kilger, who's going to talk to us all about bio, the bio. Lisa, welcome, and thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Before we start, how do you pronounce your surname? I have this fear of pronouncing surnames wrong, so tell me that I did it wrong. You, you did it really close. It's Kilgore. Oh, nearly. Yeah, Kilgore. <laughs> and do you want to just tell us a wee bit about yourself before we get started? Sure. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. I've been in practice for about 11 years, and I work with people on their diet. But more than just like analyzing, you need this ma- this amount of carbs, fats, and protein. I really like the puzzle of of our diet and helping everybody find exactly what it is that they need to eat on a day to day basis to make their body feel good. Because we're all unique, and we all need something a little bit different. And so I specialize in real life healthy eating. How to bring uh, healthy eating into your life, no matter how busy you are. Fabulous. So and that goes along with my message. I always say it's about finding the perfect diet for you rather than the perfect diet. Exactly. Because the perfect diet for you is different than the perfect diet for your best friend. And just because something works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for anybody else. And when we really tap in and understand what our body wants, you don't have to question this anymore. You don't have to think, oh, am I eating the best way? You'll know it. And that is a, a heavenly place of food freedom. Yes. Easy and fun. Those are my mottos. Easy and fun. Exactly. Okay. 
So I trained at medical school a long time ago, eek, and when I was at medical school, we talked about commensals, which were things in our body that were bacteria that were considered to be good. And that was basically all we knew about these bacteria. But since then, there has been an explosion of research and so much interesting and really fascinating research on this thing that we now call the biome. And that's what we're talking about today. Absolutely. And it's the research is so cool. It's really amazing. So do you want to start by just summing up the last 10 years of research for us? And I guess, but we have to keep in mind that every day, every year, we find out something different. So this is the truth as we know it right now. We are about 50% bacteria. Um, Just two years ago, we thought we were 90% bacteria. So now that's one of the things that have changed. But being 50% bacteria is still pretty remarkable. And so this is huge ecosystem, about equal to the number of cells we have in our body. And they are a community. Uh, They are this this rainforest of a group of bacteria and parasites and yeast that when working well, they work together um, and they modulate our immune system. They help um, balance our brain chemistry. They help balance our metabolism. They help heal our gut. They help us digest food. They help us get more um, nutrients out of our food. And a key part of our microbiome that I think we just need to understand is that the human body evolved with it. And so when this changes, when our gut bacteria is either weakened or our diversity is low, then many body systems suffer and body systems that you would never expect to be connected can suffer. And that's what we're that's where the research is really finding is how how is our bacteria affecting our body and what can we do to help keep it in balance? It is absolutely fascinating. So that is a sort of overview. And there's some like little things we want to talk about. So I think there's some basics that we want to talk about. So for example, how having certain bacteria can affect weight loss. Do we want to start with weight loss and weight gain? Sure. Cause it, it's, a, it's an interesting one because we think that the food we crave and our appetite is simply due to willpower or maybe our body chemistry, like do we need more nutrients? But what we're finding is that actually our gut bacteria plays a, can play a role in what we crave, um, how much our body, how much food our body really wants. And, it, and when it comes to our metabolism, Uh, it can actually determine how much energy we take from food. So two people can eat exactly the same meal. One can store some of that and the other one won't, um, simply due to our gut bacteria. And when it comes to our metabolism and cravings, it does look like the diversity of our gut bacteria is what matters, not specific strains, but making sure we have more of a rainforest than a desert in our gut. Because um, when we have more of a desert, which many of us have, when we have certain strains of bacteria that are overgrowing, then they play a bigger role in how our how our body functions. So it might be one strain of bacteria that's created this giant ecosystem. And now it hijacks our brain, our taste buds, and our cells to ask for the food it wants. So what, what's been connected is um, a low diversity in our gut bacteria and higher cravings, as well as a slower metabolism. And it and the current thought is it's due to these big um, overgrowths of certain bacteria that are um, asking for certain foods. 
Yeah, so what one of the things that I understood is, you know, we all have this skiddy friend who can eat whatever they want. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. In fact, I did a podcast on it recently saying it's generally not true for a lot of people. But there are some people who really can. And one of the reasons that people think this might be the case is because they have different bacteria in their gut. Is that correct? Absolutely. And they've done studies on rats on this, uh, where they've taken obese, genetically obese rats, but kept them germ free. So they had no bacteria in their gut and they had absolutely no weight issues. Once they were inoculated with the bacteria from another obese mouse, that's when they started gaining weight. If they were instead inoculated with a thin mouse's bacteria, they were fine. They, they didn't gain weight either. And so there's a connection there. And this idea that possibly obesity might be something you can catch from somebody you live with, where you're going to catch some of that bacteria. But we can always change our gut bacteria. So don't feel like, oh, no, um, I'm, uh, uh, this is a big problem. There's always a chance to change the types of bacteria and how they're growing in your gut. Yeah, and we will talk about that in the next in the next bit. I just wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the effects of the gut bacteria. Another thing that we were talking about was how it affects our behaviour. And you've already talked about cravings, but there's quite a lot of interesting studies about how it affects cravings, um, behaviour. Absolutely. So uh, what, what they've first connected is um, uh, digestive issues and mental health issues. So they've realized that um, depression and constipation can be linked and anxiety and diarrhea can be linked. And this is due to um, the, uh, the neurotransmitters that are found in our gut. And our gut bacteria plays a role in that balance. So if we have not enough serotonin and dopamine in our gut, then our, we'll be both constipated and possibly depressed. If we're over making it, then that can create anxiousness in our gut, like cramping and diarrhea, as well as anxiousness in our brain. They've also looked at um, rat studies and, and found that the types of bacteria in the gut can make a rat either more timid or more adventurous. And when they tra trade bacteria, so say they take a timid mouse and they give it adventurous bacteria, the mouse becomes uh, uh, suddenly adventurous. So we haven't really looked at that in humans yet, uh, but there is um, a possibility that how we react to life may be more due or possibly partially due to our gut bacteria than just who we are. Uh, the one human study that they've looked at babies and because they have great access to their fecal matter, um, found that a low diversity in the gut bacteria led to uh, more negative behavioral attributes of toddlers and also more diversity equaled extroversion in boys, so being more outgoing in boys. And so this is early, early stages, but there is this idea that that part of who we are may be just dependent on our gut bacteria. It is absolutely fascinating, isn't it, that we think that we are, you know, a single being, but the reality is we're kind of like this colony of things and it's not just us, it's us and our bacteria. <laughs> absolutely. And so sometimes we get hard on ourselves like, oh, I'm, I'm really craving chocolate uh, and uh, I just don't have the willpower to get over it. Well, that chocolate craving could be a nutritional deficiency and it could be your, uh, a certain strains of gut bacteria that are triggering that craving. And they have found that people who crave chocolate have certain uh, metabolites from certain strains of bacteria that people who don't ch uh, crave chocolate don't have. So like there's a lot more playing out and I think we just need to be kinder to our body and our brain and not, not put all this weight that this is 
this is uh, something that I'm doing. It could be uh, um, this outside of us, this microbiome creating this pull to go towards certain food. It is fascinating. And you could say, well, you know, I'm feeling a little bit down today and I have no particular reason. You know how our moods fluctuate or we're feeling a little bit happy. It could just be our bacteria having a different, different day. Absolutely. We could be having um, more strains of bacteria that aren't triggering that release or that, that request for more serotonin. And all it takes is some extra dietary fiber for a few days and you might be able to find that your mood gets better. It's, it's so much more complex and complicated than just these simplistic ideas, but there is something we can do inside this. Okay. And what about the connection between the biome and your immune system? Can you talk to us about that for a little bit, please? It's a really, really cool one. Uh, so our immune system, whose main job is simply to go through our, our bloodstream and our body and find cells that shouldn't be there and get rid of them. Um, it developed alongside our gut bacteria and our gut bacteria needed to stay there. And so it actually developed um, a very symbiotic relationship with the immune system and actually took the controls over. So it's our gut bacteria that determines how strongly our immune system is going to react to something. And so when our gut bacteria is balanced, our body stays pretty balanced. But what's been found in research and animal studies is if we have almost no bacteria in our gut, our immune system overreacts and um, we can develop multiple autoimmune conditions just from this. And that's only been found in in, um, animals so far. They haven't done this in, in humans, but it's showing some of this reaction. There has one study that's um, uh, amazing when it comes to looking at autoimmune conditions in humans. And what they did is they they looked at um, two groups of people that are very genetically similar, one group in Finland and one group in Russia. They actually lived really close to each other. And the only thing that separated them was a borderline. And they, a hundred years ago, they were still living all together. But those in Finland were living like most people in first world countries. They have clean water, they have uh, clean sanitation, they eat clean food. But those living in Russia are living in a very remote area of Russia and they have um, a lot of bacteria found in their drinking water. Many children um, deal with a lot of um, gut issues or bacteria um, uh, infections when they're kids. So the sanitation is poor. But what was found between them is in Finland, there were six times higher rates of type 1 diabetes or what used to be called juvenile diabetes. And this is a condition that is increasing in the in first world countries and we can't we didn't understand why. And it's not a genetic part, it's a it's possibly connected to the bacteria. And so those in Russia that were drinking bacteria on a day-to-day basis actually had stronger microbiomes and that might be what's keeping their immune system from attacking the beta cells in the pancreas. So these are just early studies um, but we might find that that the microbiome plays a huge role in the treatment of autoimmune conditions in the future once we understand more about it. This is just too early to know yet. That's absolutely fascinating. And I've always been a proponent of not being too clean and tidy. And I think that just shows that I'm right, that we don't want to be cleaning too too much and living in a totally sterile environment. 
Absolutely, and they've actually found that with children and allergies, is that there's a connection between animals. Um, if kids live around animals, they have lower rates, about uh, four times lower rates of allerg of seasonal allergies. And if the mother um, lived around five animals or more, their, ch their her children will have significantly lower rates of allergies and asthma. Um, and just having this inoc regular inoculation of bacteria, and that could be by growing your own veggies and just wiping the dirt off, but in um, intaking some of that good bacteria from the soil. Um, it, there's many, many ways to get a bit more bacteria in our life, but spraying everything with Lysol is not one of them. We need a bit more dirt. We need a bit more uh, stimulation for our immune system. Fabulous. So with our kids, let them go out and play in the dirt. Exactly. The kids have this overwhelming urge to put dirt in their mouth and there's a reason for it. And we have to let them to a certain extent re-inoculate their body with, with this natural world. Okay, so are there any other exciting things that we should know about before we move on to um, what's happened when some people get an imbalance in their microbiome? Well, the the, uh, the last one I want to share with you is um, research that came from the American Gut Project. So the American Gut Project is this huge and the, it's the largest um, uh, crowdfunded study ever. And um, they're looking at our gut bacteria and, and what they've asked for are poop samples. So this is, a, this is a group of people that are getting in the mail poop samples from all over the U United States. Um, and and uh, they have, at least the last time I checked, which was um, the last time they put out a big, um, uh, here's our findings, was quite a few years ago. They At that point, they had 4,000 of samples. And what they found was uh, what we eat absolutely correlates to the diversity and the strength of our microbiome. And so we have full control here. So what we put into our digestive system plays a huge role in which types of bacteria it feeds. And those who are eating um, a lot of plant-based fibers had the stronger gut bacteria. We also They also found that those you live with have the closest um, similarities to your gut bacteria. So each one of us has have our own microbiome that's unique only to us but those you live with tend to share more similarities than somebody you don't live with so we do share um, bacteria on a day-to-day -day basis with those we love and care about okay fabulous so should we move on and you can tell us a bit about how these imbalances occur Absolutely. So these imbalances occur in a few different ways. So the main thing we think about when um, looking at our gut bacteria is antibiotics uh, and taking a round of antibiotics may be necessary in your health in that moment. Um, but we d it does have repercussions in our gut bacteria. And research has found that two rounds of bacteria of antibiotics at any point in your life triggers a, a change in your gut bacteria that can be fixed but it must be fixed because otherwise it leaves long lasting changes. But antibiotics aren't the only way. Um, we actually have antibiotic residue in a lot of our um, food. In the United States and Canada, we have some antibiotic residue in conventionally grown beef as well as farmed salmon and farmed fish. And that, like that, a regular intake of that is it counts like a round of antibiotics. It could be the chlorine that, that you're drinking in your water, um, which is easy to filter out, or it could just be your diet. Um, the American Gut Project has found that if you are eating a low diversity in your diet, so say you're eating 
dairy and wheat and sugar and not much more than that, which is a very common diet today, your, your, because your diversity in your diet is so low, the diversity in your gut bacteria is also low, um, which means the simplistic me method of changing your gut bacteria is simply eating more fibers, more plant-based fibers and more diversity there. And research has found that it only takes seven days to measurably change your gut bacteria. So it doesn't take long. It's not very hard. We just have to do it is wow. key. That's amazing. So yeah. your main message, like my main message is it's all about the vegetables <laughs> yeah. and different vegetables. So hmm. going back to water. Now, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but I once heard that if you take water with chlorine in it and you just leave it to stand, actually the chlorine um, airs off. So if you yeah. put your, if you take your tap water, if you drink tap water and then you put it in a bottle and just leave it for a bit, actually that water has less chlorine in it. Absolutely, as long as it's exposed to the air. So you just got to keep the top off that bottle. Okay. Uh, so that it's a simple way to get chlorine out. You just fill up a pitcher the night before, and then you have the water the next day um, for your to drink. Uh, a lot of people do this for their plants. It's time to do this for our body as well. Um, a simple charcoal filter will also get rid of chlorine. Uh, and so a lot of people, that's all they just need is just to put their water through a charcoal filter. That does need changing regularly. It can hold contaminants. But the simplest way, pitcher on your counter, let the let the chlorine go. And now you're not killing off your good bacteria every time you drink important water. Okay. And so how might people know, what are they going to see? What symptoms are they going to see if their biome is a little bit off whack? So really simple symptoms of uh, out of balance microbiome could be just like digestive issues, gas, bloating, pain, uh, irregularity, like that, that bowel movements aren't really happening in a, in a regular way, um, either loosely or a bit constipated. But then you also, anybody that's dealing with chronic inflammation, um, seasonal allergies, possibly autoimmune, autoimmune conditions, I would invite them to look at their gut bacteria. Um, as well as um, if, you, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, this is a time to also look at your gut bacteria. It's not something that's going to solve everything, but it can really take the edge off. Uh, and so anytime you're dealing with basically any body imbalance and or you've been on antibiotics twice in your life, which it's very rare to find somebody who hasn't, it's time to take a look at our gut bacteria and just look at ways to reseed it, to feed it and to help it grow. And when we can, when we just pay a little bit of attention to it, the balance happens really fast and easily. And presumably people who have had problems losing weight it might be absolutely it might be a gut bacteria issue so if it, and it can't hurt so just yeah, like because exactly. like, it's, it's also just a healthy diet so yeah absolutely if you're struggling if you find that your metabolism has slowed over the years especially it might be a change in your gut bacteria put a bit of effort there and you might find that your metabolism changes too okay so i'm standing here and i haven't got a great gut bacteria and i want to improve mine what advice are you giving me so there's there's three things to do. Um, it's three steps. The first one is to seed your gut bacteria. We no longer have an input of bacteria in our day to day life. We are we're drinking clean water. We have good sanitation. I'm not willing to get, give up either of those. And so instead, I seed my gut with a human strain, multi strain probiotic almost every day. So every day if I'm having any gut issues, I, I got hit with a nasty gut bug about three weeks ago. And so I'm, I'm going to be heavy on the probiotics for a little while to rebuild everything. But when my gut's working really well, I just take it once a week. Once so, you, a week so you're we'll, talking about a tablet, are you? 
Yeah, just a, like a, a supplement, a supplemental probiotic. Everybody in a, a country that has good water, I'd say, needs it at least once a week. This has not been studied. This is more an anecdotal um, uh, re request, but it's it makes a difference um, when you just put some new strains of bacteria in your gut on a semi-regular basis. If you're okay. dealing with any digestive issues, um, having it daily or every other day it can help too. And can you get those probiotics from other places? So, for example, live yogurt and French cheese and think places like that. You'll get some that way. So the sec my second step is uh, bringing in fermented foods. So fermented foods contain some bacteria, but none of these are bacteria that stick around. They, um, co they, they're transient. So they go through our digestive system in about 12, 24 hours, but leave in their wake a beautiful area to be build an ecosystem. They act also act like fertilizer to your good bacteria strains and um, in 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 enhance the growth. And so bringing in one fermented food a day, so that could be beautifully uh, fermented cheeses, like the raw milk cheeses when you can get your hands on them, like the French ones, um, yogurt, sauerkrauts, just one serving a day plays a big big role but it's missing some of the bifidobacteria some of the colon the colon bacteria and that's why it's it on its own for some for most people they need just a little bit more um to seed their gut okay that's interesting i didn't know that so the cheese that we get in france i think most of it is probably with pasteurized milk but they add in those strains of you know the blueness yeah. Absolutely. And so in France and in Canada, we have uh, uh, Quebec, they're allowed to do raw milk cheeses and the raw milk cheeses are really beautifully fermented, but you're still getting a nice fermented um, cheese with a good quality pasteurized cheese as well. Um, but those like that fermentation process play like brings in an ecosystem, just like um, kefir and yogurt and sauerkraut, they all bring in different bacteria and they play a big role in stimulating the growth of other bacteria in your gut. Okay, fantastic. And so what is step number three? So step number three is then to feed them all. And the best way to feed these bacteria, research has found, is with plant-based fibers. So that's tons of veggies, also fruit and beans and nuts and seeds. And the more diverse the fibers are that you're bringing into your gut, the healthier your ecosystem. And so it can be, you can start simply um, chia, soaked chia seeds, like a chia chocolate pudding, which is my favorite way to feed my gut bacteria, plays a great role in feeding bifidobacteria, these really important bacteria in your colon. Um, adding more, uh, a serving or two of uh, fruits, a serving or two of vegetables, maybe sprinkle some nuts on something. That's all you need to do and the more the different types of fibers you put into your gut equals different growth of different types of bacteria and the the more diverse your gut bacteria the better your whole body functions but it also lowers your cravings for sweets and and other foods that you're trying to stay away from anyways so by by just increasing your diversity you're going to start actually craving fruits and vegetables and healthier foods at least that's what i've noticed myself and my clients always come back and say wow I don't want that sugary treat in the afternoon. I want an apple. How weird is that? I'm like, no, that's your gut bacteria talking. <laughs> it is funny, though. I do think the less you eat these processed foods, the less you want them. Absolutely. And I used to be a processed food junkie. I, I, I came to become a holistic nutritionist out of need. Um, I've yet to work with anybody with a diet as terrible as mine used to be. And so I can say this with absolute honesty, when you just even slowly start increasing the plant-based fibers into your diet and add more vegetables, your cravings for those vegetables increase and your tolerance 
for sweets and refined and processed uh, sweets and sugars goes down dramatically. Now, like I still love chocolate cake, but I love a bite of it. I don't like a whole piece. I don't like how I feel anymore. Whereas I, I used to my... just survive on sugar. I'd have to Sorry? give you my chocolate aubergine. Uh, you call it eggplant, I think. My chocolate aubergine yeah. recipe, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet that's incredible. Because even my chia chocolate pudding, it's so good. My kids even love it. It's the only way I can get them to eat aubergines, but they they do yes. love it. Okay, so what about people who think they have a reasonably good um, diversity in their biome? What do they need to do to maintain it? Do they need to continue taking the the supplements or not? I would say uh, just to keep it in a good place at least once a week, just like, just put that, those seeds. It's like putting a little bit more grass seed on your lawn just to make sure the diversity of strains is staying up. But the most important thing is one serving of, of fermented foods every day and lots of plant-based fibers that will keep it strong. Even when, um, you are, uh, you might, maybe you eat some food that has some, a nasty bacteria in it, or, um, a, a, a strain gets in there. If you're, diversity is strong then your gut bacteria will be will will fight that off and you won't get sick i got sick because i let my gut bacteria which had been really strong for a long time it was wavering for a month or two and i was noticing it but not really paying attention to it and then i got i got hit by a big bug that cleared everything out and i was quite sick for a week or two and that was just a reminder that this is something that i need to be considering at least in the back of my head every day just to make sure that i'm keeping everything in balance Okay, fabulous. And could you just give us a list of fermented foods for people who don't know what fermented foods are? Absolutely. So um, yogurt is a common one that we tend to think of. And that's a great one, especially a good quality yogurt. So a yogurt that has whole milk, bacteria, and that's pretty much all the ingredients. That's and no a good sugar, quality. no sugar. <laughs> And no sugar, exactly. If you want it sweet, sweeten it yourself with some honey and fruit. Keep the sugar out. Um, kefir, which is a um, a type of fermented milk, it's a lot like yogurt. Actually, has more bacteria and more diverse bacteria. And research has found has been one of the best to change your gut bacteria. People that I work with that are dealing with like Crohn's and colitis that are really like they don't tolerate a probiotic supplement. They do really well with kefir. Um, sauerkraut or other fermented vegetables like uh, properly done dill pickles. Those ones are really good as long as they're not pasteurized. So they need the good bacteria still in them. Um, uh, foods like a properly done sourdough bread, that's a fermented food. It doesn't have any bacteria left, but it's still a fermented food. Wine and beer are also fermented. They don't always do make for the best gut bacteria, but beer was actually our very first ferment. Um, the very first thing we fermented and actually helped fix some nutritional deficiencies we had created as humans when we first became agricultural. So there's there's also nutrients in these fermented foods that are really important. Um, tempeh, miso are some fermented soys, um, even a good quality soy sauce or tamari, that's a fermented food. Um, but there's a huge range. So if you're not sure, just Google it and you'll get list after list after list. There's so much and you just need one. And what about water kefir? Is that Does that come as a fermented food as well? Absolutely. So water kefir as well as kombucha. Um, and where I live, kombucha is like in every every store and every winery right now because it's so popular and it's a great fermented food. It doesn't have any of the fermented fibers. And so for some people, it's not enough to create a change, but it is still seeding. It's still like putting some good bacteria in there. It's still making a good environment, but it doesn't have the, the fermented fiber aspect that the foods have. Okay, fabulous. It's been so interesting talking to you. Thank you so much. So just to recap, 
we have all these amazing bacteria. 50%, you say, I find that amazing. And it really affects um, our metabolism, our immune system, and even our behavior. And the best way to look after this is to make sure we have, um, oh my goodness, my brain has gone, <laughs> that we supplement with the... Um, Help the me. good bacteria, the fermented foods, and plant-based fibers. Those are the big three. Fabulous. Thank you. Do you have any last messages or anything else that you want to add? Just that whatever, wherever you're feeling right now, you can make just small little changes and make a huge difference in your health. If you are looking at a giant dietary change and are terrified of it, that's okay. So did I. And you don't need to do a giant change. You just need to eat a, an apple today or add just something new. And when that change is easy, do, try another one. And it's in these small, easy changes that real big change happens. And it happens without trying. It happens permanently and and it happens happily and that's the most important thing so no matter where you are right now you can feel better and you can do it easily that's real life healthy eating fabulous i totally agree with you 100 percent. now lisa tell people where they can find more about you and also your amazing membership site it sounds absolutely fabulous uh, great. So my uh, my website is lisakilgore.com um, or you can find my membership site, which is it's called Your Beautiful Life. And it's all the tools you need for real life, healthy living. And in it, you get re- um, access to well over 100 recipes. I add 20 every month. Um, master classes, including a three steps to a gut reset. So I'll take you all through this, how to reset your microbiome. But every month I add a new master class. There is um, live Q&As. Uh, there's, there's a great community. There's yoga classes and meditation. There's all literally all the tools you need to feel better and the community support to help you reach your health goals. It's a wonderful group already. And that's yourbeautifullife.ca. Fabulous. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Lisa, for an amazing conversation. Now, there were a few things that I chatted to Lisa about via email afterwards. And one of them was this use of probiotics. Partly because I have seen in other books, so if you read Michael Mosley, he doesn't particularly recommend probiotics on a regular basis. And I personally have issues with advising people to take supplements because, well, for several reasons. Firstly, I see that if you were to take every single supplement that everybody ever recommended, you would just be taking bucket loads of supplements. And secondly, I don't think that supplements is a good substitute for changing your diet and eating a healthy diet. And a lot of people find it really easy to take a tablet and then carry on eating in the same way. And I think that is the wrong way to do it. So I think we have to be really careful about the supplements that we have. Having said that, I asked Lisa why she particularly recommends probiotics and she had a very good response. And she said, yes, it is a tricky question because there isn't a lot of research at this time and it's very difficult to do that gold standard randomised double-blind, sorry, double-blind randomised control trial um, on foods. And she said the reason that she gives it is because she has found it very effective with people who have difficult digestive systems. And remember that the people that she is working with, they are changing their diet. So these aren't people who are just carrying on eating in the same way. But she has said that she found it very effective for people who had difficult with with problems with digestive symptoms. And 
The second thing that she said was that nowadays we live in a much more sterile environment than we used to. So, for example, we have clean water. And this is what she talked about on the podcast, but that we don't really have enough of those bacteria. And so she feels that this is a good way of getting some bacteria back into our diet. So whether you want to take them every single day or just once a week is up to you. And I have to say, I have recently had to have a course of antibiotics for my ear infection that you may have heard about. You may have heard me complaining about my ear infection. And I definitely took Lisa's advice. And when I got my antibiotics, I bought some probiotics to have every single day. And I stood there at the pharmacist and asked him how much they cost. And they weren't heaps. They were like eight euros. And I wasn't going to buy them. And then I thought, do you know what? Eight euros is worth my Eight euros is worth spending on my gut bacteria. I'm happy to to shout out eight euros for my gut bacteria. So I think on one hand, we have to be a bit careful, careful with supplements because they can add up if we eat lots of them. And we want to be careful that we pick the ones that we really use. And they aren't a substitute for changing our diet. But there are times when it is worth using them. So that was number one thing. I also would like to say that I have been trying more fermented foods. Now around here, it is particularly difficult for us to buy fermented foods. So I have to ferment them myself. It is actually super easy to do fermented foods. So I have been, I fermented a courgette. And all you do really is put it in some salty water. Now I followed a a recipe, but essentially you're putting it in some salty water, making sure that it's covered so that the air can't get to it and leaving it for a few days. And it's a bit like eating pickled gherkins, which I quite like. And so I'm making sure I'm having a little bit more of that in my diet and just playing around. I quite like experimenting with easy things to do in the kitchen and fermenting is a relatively easy thing. So on that note, I also asked Lisa about sauerkraut because I've seen that you can buy sauerkraut in tins in our local supermarket. And is that the same as proper sauerkraut? And the answer is probably no. If it's cooked with, if it's in vinegar and it's pasteurized, then it isn't going to give you the same fermentation as a proper one that you have done or that you've bought from somebody who's done it locally. So what she's saying is most commercial sauerkrauts aren't properly fermented. The other thing that we didn't talk about was apple cider vinegar. And apple cider vinegar vinegar is a great fermented food if it's unpasteurized and comes with the mother, you know, that cloudy thing. Now, I have to say, all the apple cider vinegar that I have ever bought here never has the, the mother in it, and I still haven't been able to find one. But if you can get one with the cloudy stuff in it, then it is good for helping your biome. The other effect that vinegar has, and people recommend drinking a glass of water with a splash of vinegar in before you have a meal, it can help you decrease your insulin levels, which is a good thing. The last thing I asked her was, she mentioned chia seeds. And my question was, is that because they are just high in fiber? Or is it that they have a specific probiotic quality? And she said, sorry, prebiotic quality. She said that they're a very good prebiotic And so I have been playing around with chia seeds and oh my goodness, they are so easy. All you do is you buy some chia seeds and add some water to them or some coconut milk or some some other kind of liquid. And then they turn into a kind of jelly 
which you can use as a dessert or a breakfast. And you can flavour it with whatever you want. So super easy. I tried one with cocoa powder and I tried one with a little bit of lemon rind and ginger. And just, it's quite a bland taste. So you have to give it some kind of taste, but you don't need to use sugar. Well, you might find that if your sugar is relatively high now that you'll miss that sugar, but as you decrease your sugar levels, you'll find that you don't need to use sugar. So it's super easy and really versatile as well. So give chia seeds a triad. Okay, the biome is super interesting. If you have found this podcast interesting, I would love it if you shared it with your friends. And if you could... I would be even more grateful if you could write a review on iTunes. Now, it is a little bit tricky to write a review on iTunes because you kind of have to log into iTunes and then you have to obviously give me five stars and say, this is great. But if you do that, it does help me show up in the iTunes search. I have no idea how that works, but apparently that's what happens. So if you could do that, I would be super grateful. Have an amazing week and see you next week. Bye-bye. so much for listening today you are welcome to sign up for my vip area which you'll find at drorlena.com that's d-r-o-r-l-e-n-a.com now if you have enjoyed this episode i would love it if you could share it with one of your friends perhaps you have a busy mother friend who is struggling with weight loss and healthy living and everything that i talk about so please feel free to share it with her And if you are really keen, I would really love a review on iTunes. Now, I know it's a little bit difficult to do, but if you did, it would really help me get my podcast seen by other people. Thank you so much and see you, hear you, chat to you next week. Bye-bye.